Hey y'all, this is Sherry Witt, and you're listening to Unashamed. Unashamed is our weekly podcast where we discuss everyday topics from a biblical perspective, as well as having special guests on to give their testimonies on how the Lord has worked in their lives. Our earnest prayer is that God will be lifted up, and this podcast can be used to further His kingdom. Now, on with the show, y'all. For the cause of Christ, I'll live my life This week's podcast is sponsored by Hilton Photography. Vanessa Hilton has over 25 years' experience as a professional photographer. She's located in Germantown, Ohio. You can find her on Facebook at Hilton Photography, or you can call her at 513-218-9393, or email her at psalm1849 at hotmail.com. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. Hope you guys have had a great week. We've had a wonderful week. Uh, We are in February already, the second month of 2020. And what do we celebrate during February? We celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm sure the florists are busy and you already see the chocolate at, at Walmart and Meyer and all those places. And everybody's wanting to celebrate love. And we're going to be celebrating love this month here at Unashamed. But we are going to be talking about and celebrating our first love, Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about him like we always do with a, with a purpose and a significance on him being our first love this month. We're going to have some people coming on and sharing their testimonies on how they met their first love. You know, I've always heard about Jesus being your first love, but I never really understood what that meant. What is a first love? I actually had to look it up, you know, and I've read it defined as a love that comes before all others, the greatest love. It's a love that's greater than the love that we have for our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, even ourselves. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus was speaking to the church in Ephesus, and even though the church had been in service to others and had did good, it just wasn't enough because they had left their first love, Jesus Christ. You know, if we want to be in service or give to others, we have to put our love for Christ before any of that. You know, Luke fourteen twenty six says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, He cannot be my disciple. When we have that love for Jesus first, we do things because we love him. We don't do it because of a duty or something we feel that has to be done. We do it because we want to honor and serve Christ. And that's what it's all about, y'all, that we want to honor and serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want want to hear us just saying a prayer and asking him into our hearts and then never talking to him again, unless it's a last option, unless we've exhausted every other option. And the last thing we think of is praying to God. He doesn't want that. He wants to have an everyday relationship with us. You know, he pursues us. Every time we open the Bible, we're reading God's love letter to us. He wants us to be completely satisfied with just having him in our lives. 
Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's a verse that um, at, in our school time, Will, who's six, that is his memory verse this week, and so we've, I've been trying to teach him, uh, teach him about loving the Lord thy God, uh, because that is one of the commandments that God has given us. You know, but sometimes we're so busy with just being busy that we don't even realize we've left our first love. And here are some indications that we're going to be talking about all month. But here are a few indications that we have left our first love. Uh, maybe you fail to make Christ or his words known because you fear rejection. If your faithfulness to God depends on the reaction of those around you, you're serving men instead of serving God. And Galatians 1.10 says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Um, John fifteen twenty says, Remember the word that I send to you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. You know, this is one that personally, I can tell you that I have... Um, realized within the last couple weeks. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I mentioned it, I think last on last week's episode, but a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, I guess, um, we had the chance to travel to South Fairborn Baptist Church, which is just, just up the road, to see D.R. Harrison come and uh, do an awakening rally. We were praying there's some gentlemen in the Dayton area, Fairborn area, that have been praying for a while for revival to come to that area. And so they were able, the Lord allowed DR to have um, some time in his schedule to come and preach uh, an awakening rally to get the pastors and the churches excited and want to pray and how to get started on revival because revival revival starts with us it doesn't start with the evangelist or preacher that comes to preach the messages it starts with each individual that god would set a fire in their heart and let it burn um that's what revival is about to get revived for the lord and so when he was preaching he preached on and again this is all last week so if you haven't listened to last week's Listen to last, last week's. I go in, we go into it in more detail. But he was preaching about the seven deadliest, or not deadliest, I'm sorry, the seven most dangerous people that you have in your church. And one that he preached on was, he called it Mr. Apathy, someone that just didn't care. And y'all, that's how I've been the last couple months. I, regard, regarding um, Christ, regarding my church, all of that. It was just, I don't care. I don't, I don't really care if I get in the Bible. I don't really care if I go to church, you know, I don't, I don't really care, you know, and it was becoming even so much so that I was like, you know, this podcast is just, I, you know, everything was just becoming, I don't care. And, um, he really, the Lord allowed him to speak to my heart that night to show me what I was doing, that I was having that sin of apathy and I went back to my pastor and uh, apologized and asked for forgiveness. And since then, the Lord has shown me more. And this this morning, as I was spending time with the Lord, the one thing that he showed me every time that I read a verse, you know, um, I was looking things up, was 
he was telling me not to be ashamed, not to be ashamed, not to be ashamed. I am not a good um, talker. I'm I'm talking on this, uh, but I am not a speaker. I guess you could say I'm not a speaker, and uh, I don't have eloquent words. And the Lord has been showing me different things this these this these past couple weeks about being a little bit more bold um, in my stance for Him, and not to fear rejection. And not to be ashamed, uh, because I'm not pleasing men. My my goal and our goal, your goal, if you uh, have accepted Christ, your personal Savior, your goal is to tell other people about Christ. So, case in point, yesterday, me and the youngest um, went to Meyer to go grocery shopping, and after grocery shopping, loaded loaded everything in the car. The Lord was like. I want you to go pray with that gentleman over there. Now, I don't know who the gentleman was. And at first, and I don't know if y'all are like this, but I know I am. I I tend to argue a little bit. So I was like, Lord, I don't know who that person is. You know, he's going to think I'm crazy. I mean, he really is. A stranger coming up to him and and telling him that God loves him and, and you want me to pray with him? And, uh... I felt an overwhelmed. Yes, that's exactly what I want you to do. And then I saw some other people and I'm like, surely you mean those people over there. I don't know those people either, but you know, I'm walking, I'm starting to walk back to my car. And it was just like this overwhelming feeling that I needed to go do that. And I remember stopping and I was like, okay, you know, I had told you when I prayed that I was, that I wanted to be more obedient to your word. So if you tell me something, I want to do it. And so I went over to this gentleman yesterday at, at Meyer. He's standing outside. I go up to him and I say, excuse me, sir. I, this might sound like the craziest thing you've heard. But I feel like the Lord has asked me to come over and tell you that Jesus loves you. And he wants me to pray with you. Would it be okay if I prayed with you? And he looked at me. And it wasn't a look of like, she's crazy. It was more of a look like astonishment surprise. And he said, sure. And I, I prayed with him and I told him, you know, you know, Jesus loves you. I turned around and I left, you know, um, so this is one that when, when I was reading it this month or reading it, reading these indications, I was like, when I fail to make Christ or his words known because I fear rejection, I'm slowly getting back to communicating more with my first love, having that deep relationship. And what I mean by that is I want you just to think back to the very first time you met Jesus Christ. Maybe you were at Sunday school and you were a child. Maybe it was a revival and you were an adult. Maybe somebody came to your home from a church And they told you how you could be saved and you accepted Christ in your recliner and lazy boy at your own home. For me, I accepted Christ when I was 10 at Hoosier Hills Baptist Camp in Indiana. Um, I want you to think about that. Now, for me, I turned away from Christ when I was 16. 
And I didn't come back until I was in my 20s. And so when I come back when I was in my 20s, I sat under some preaching before I realized that even though I had accepted Christ as my Savior, I had not been living for Him for a number of years. And I came to came back and rededicated my life to Him. And so, but I want you to remember those times that you that you met your first love, you met Jesus Christ, and how when you accepted Him as Savior. Maybe that burden that you had, like you felt like the weight of the world was on you, was lifted. And maybe you felt like you had no hope and the days were dreary, but then you accepted Christ and you had this overwhelming joy, this smile on your face, and you saw the world in a different light. You were so happy and joyful and that weight was gone and hope was restored. That's your first love. Be faithful to proclaim the truth in love, because God says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, God hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may be bold, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Christ is always with us. He will always continue to be with us when you accept him as your personal Savior. Another indication that we've left our first love, is that our soul does not long for times of rich fellowship in God's word or prayer. When our mind, will, and emotions wander from devotion to God, we need to watch out. Our relationship with God deepens on how, as you spend time in his word and commune with him in prayer. It's just like any other relationship, whether it's with our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, our siblings, to have that relationship, it will deepen as we spend time with them. And we want to spend time with them. We, you want to spend time with your children, your spouse, your parents. You want to be able to talk with him. Well, it's the same thing with God. When we spend time in God's word, that's him communicating with us and, and talking to him in prayer. That's all communication. And it, our relationship with him deepens. If we forsake this fellowship... Our understanding of our true condition before God will grow, grow dull as God's children, his friends, and his bride. John fifteen fifteen says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant, servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. It's critical that we draw near to him in our relationship with him. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So it's really important that we spend time in God's word and, and commune with him in prayer. Like I said, you know, the Bible, God's word that's alive every time we open the, every time we open the book and turn the pages and the words just bounce off the page because those things are what's going on in our lives. Everything, everything that's in the Bible is for us, for us to learn from. But it's also God's love letter to us. And that's how he pursues us through his, through his word. And a third indication that we've left our first love, Jesus Christ, is we become complacent towards sinful conditions around us. 
That's a big one. Not just for me as an individual, not just for you as an individual, but as the bride of Christ, as a church as a whole, I think we've become complacent toward the sinful conditions around us. This world is completely sinful. It is full of sin. And Christians, we're just not standing up against it anymore. It might be because part of it is that we're complacent and we've left our first love. But another part of it could be just apathy. We just don't care. It's, it's not happening in my neck of the woods. It's not affecting me. I don't, I don't care. Let people live how they want to live. Let them do what they want to do as long as it doesn't affect me. But Jesus said in Matthew twenty four twelve that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Witnessing the sinfulness of the world around us should motivate us to follow after God with even greater determination. You know, whether it's being complacent, whether it's the possibility that we've become, become desensitized towards sin because we've seen it so much that it doesn't even bother us anymore, whether it's because we have apathy toward us and we just don't care, or because we've become ashamed and we don't want to speak the truth, even if it's in love, to others because of fear of rejection. You know, we just talked about that. You know, are we pleasing men? Are we pleasing God? Our goal should be to please God. If we're worried about what men are going to say if we tell them about Jesus or tell them the truth and love, then we're worried about what men are going to think and we're not being a good servant to Christ. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We always need to be on guard because Satan's always around to try to make us stumble, make us fall, get us out of the will of God, get us out of church, get us from not growing in God. And if we're, if we're already saved and get us to not even worry about God, if we're not, we'll be talking about other indications next week on how we've left our first love. And we're going to be talking about also this month. Okay. So there's indications, but what about how do we get back to our first love? We're going to talk about that too. All right. So now we're talking about headlines. We're going to start with the home front. So we're talking about a couple in Virginia Forgive me if I butcher their names, but their names are Kenneth and Liv Hogg, H-A-U-G-E. They were holding Bible studies in their apartment when they were given, when they were threatened, I'm sorry, threatened with an eviction notice because they were holding Bible studies in their apartment. Now, think about this. This is Virginia, and they were threatened with an eviction notice, threatened to be kicked out of their apartment because only because they were holding Bible studies in their apartment. And they actually, it was in an apartment in their uh, Virginia senior living community. The couple had said that their apartment had threatened to evict them for hosting the Bible studies in 2018. And so a, a lawsuit was filed on behalf of the couple. Um, and so just this week, the couple signed a new lease as part of the settlement they had uh, they had made a settlement with the apartment complex and the settlement provides that the policy that prohibited 
any religious activities from occurring in the community room is rescinded. So that means anyone, not just the Bible study that wants to have an event has equal access regardless of the religious content is what their lawyer has said. But that is just crazy that we um, are actually fighting every day for our religious, our religious freedom. And don't get me wrong. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. America is the greatest country on the, on, on the face of the planet. And you're not going to change my mind about that. What other country can we have religious liberty? And we're going to be talking about that because, y'all, there are some things going on with the persecuted church and our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in other countries. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's mind-boggling. And it's something that if us Christians do not stand up to the startings of these religious, um, threatening our religious freedoms now that, you know, 20 years down the road, we might end up seeing some of these different things, but that's just amazing to me that a couple in Virginia, I mean, simply because they were holding Bible study in their home were threatened with being kicked out. That's just crazy to me. Also on the home front, I thought this was a really great article that I read. Um, and this is from Christian Post. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, we, we talk a lot about, and, and, and preachers talk a lot about uh, how we need to reach people for Christ. My pastor always puts it on this, uh, puts this with it. Sometimes you have to put feet on your prayers, which means you have to, it has to be a proactive thing. You can't just say, I pray for this to happen and then wait when you could go do it yourself. Um, a Minnesota congregation has approved the development of a tiny house community on their church's property to house homeless veterans. So this is Faith Lutheran Church of Forest Lake in Minnesota recently voted to approve the project with the hope that the tiny house community, which they're naming Sacred Settlement, will, will be completed by 2021. So they have a lot of members who have served or, have act, or are actively in the military. And they saw this problem, this homeless problem. And so they wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So they are, by, they are actually in the development of a tiny house community on their own property, on the church's property, to house homeless veterans. We need more stories like that, y'all. Because, you know, like I said, so many times we hear how we need to pray and pray and pray and sometimes we need to put, we need to put feet on those prayers the bible says we are we need to be the hands and feet of jesus and this is a great example of a church that wants to be a shining beacon of light in their community and they are being proactive about it and so that is a great story again that is Faith Lutheran Church of Forest Lake in Minnesota. That, that was just a wonderful story. I had to add that because it's just, it was really good. All right, y'all. Here's the thing. I want you just to imagine something. It's something that boggled my mind. But I just want you to imagine, heaven forbid that this would happen, but a family member passes away. And... Um, you and you are entrusted with making the final arrangements and so you make the final arrangements and and you ask 
the preacher to come and, and preach the funeral. And so the, the preacher's coming to preach the funeral. You've asked somebody to come and maybe sing Amazing Grace or, or What a Day That Will Be or, or some kind of Christian song. The preacher's going to preach um, about salvation, basic salvation message, going to mention Jesus Christ. And in the middle of the funeral, the police, the police burst open. They arrest you because you helped plan the funeral. You planned the funeral, your family, the preacher, and they stop the service right in the middle. That sounds almost unbelievable. It sounds like something out of a comedy, and yet that's exactly what's going on in China. China has banned Christian funerals. This is a headline, or this is an article that come from ChristianHeadlines.com. Communist officials throughout China are using regulations that restrict religious freedom to also prohibit religious-themed funerals, even going so far as to arresting family members and stopping ceremonies mid-service. Now, when I think of China, and I don't know about you, but when I think of China, I think of you know things that are made in China. Maybe you're thinking of Chinese food. You don't really think of the persecuted church too much, unless you're a Christian and you've heard a lot about it. You know, these things about the persecuted church, mainstream media is not going to report it. They're not going to report it because there's not money in it for them. They're not going to tell you about the Christians that are being slaughtered for their faith in other countries. They're just not going to do it. And yet here we are in China and they're banning funerals. A funeral, y'all. You know, this isn't just them burning down churches and arresting people that, that operate underground churches, which they also do. This is ta- this is about banning already after the person has died and banning this funeral so that you cannot tell people about Christ, that you cannot have prayer, open prayer to God during a funeral. You can't do that. You know, these people need prayer. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they're in China, whether they're in India, whether they're, you know, in North Korea. We need to pray for them. We don't, we don't know unless you're, unless you're educated and not educated, but unless you're, yeah, okay, I'll say that word. Unless you're educated to know and you've read up on it and you read the news about our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't know about it because it's not reported. And so what I want to do is at least every month, I want to, I want to tell you guys what's going on. I want you guys to be proactive and get, you know, get educated on what's going on. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ, y'all. People that we'll never meet on this side, on the side of heaven, you know. We'll meet them when we get to, when we get to heaven. They'll be on their knees worshiping Christ just as we are when we get to heaven. And it's really important that we stand in solidarity with them and we be an encouragement to them and we pray. And I don't just mean a simple prayer. I mean getting down on our knees, on our face before the Lord and crying out to Him to protect our brothers and sisters in Christ, to strengthen their faith and to let them be a beacon of light and a beacon of hope to all these unbelievers that are there. You know, as I read some of these articles and I've read some of them the, about the persecuted church, it almost makes me feel ashamed. Again, I know that 
I just talked earlier about uh, how the Lord was telling me not to be ashamed, and I don't mean I don't mean ashamed as like I'm ashamed of Christ, but but because we take advantage of Christ so much over here. You know, I talked back, um, I think in January, about the persecuted church and how it was uh, the national day for the persecuted church for prayer and how many Bibles we have. You know, they're not even allowed to have Bibles in some of these countries. If they're found with the Bible, they are put into prison. They are beat. They are killed. And some of us have five or six Bibles. I'm looking at Bill's shelf right now. And I know he's got to have two or three Bibles up there. And I know I've got two or three Bibles. You know, they go out, they meet, they do all they can, even if it's risking their lives, to meet in an underground shelter to hear about the word of the Lord. They have such a fire in their heart to do that. And yet we can't even get up without complaining and moaning and groaning on a Sunday morning to go to church and then look at our clock and wait until the preacher gets done preaching so we can go to Cracker Barrel to go get something to eat. That's what I'm talking about, being ashamed. Oh, Lord, that you would just help us be as bold as our brothers and sisters in Christ over over there in those other countries, Lord. That you would give us the courage and the strength to just stand boldly and proudly and tell others about you, Lord Jesus. So we're going to be talking. I have another article here. This is actually in, uh, again, I'm going to butcher the name. It's Hyderabad, India, but it's India. But Hindu extremists in southern India, they beat Christian children during worship. They actually went to a church. This This happened on January the 19th. And they went to a church and they beat Christian children during the worship. And then, if that wasn't enough... Then they went to the police department and filed a complaint against the church. And then they left them with a warning. And what they warned them was, uh, and I'm reading from this article again on ChristianHeadlines.com. If we hear that you stepped out of your homes and told anybody about this, we will set your homes on fire and we will burn you alive. You know, It says the Christians had begun worship at 7 a.m. when these Hindus came up the stairs to the terrace unnoticed. And then they flashed camera lights at children and we requested them requested them to please go and not disturb the prayers uh, but they, they continue to keep taking pictures and videotaping us um, then when they were asked to leave they started putting their hands on uh, you know tearing clothes apart punching kids hitting kids I mean children and trying to beat up the women uh, it, it, you know, and then, like I said, and then they didn't just do that. Then they go to this. I just can't believe it. it. It's it's stuff that you would only think out of like movies or like comedies. You know that this would happen. That I mean, not that it's funny, but it's just funny as in like you couldn't imagine happening it happening for real. It would have to be in like Hollywood land. You know, so not only did they beat them. And they attacked them. But then they... Then they themselves... So after they went and attacked the children and the women... They went and got themselves... The Hindu extremists got themselves admitted in a hospital... And filed a false complaint against the Christians that were were worshipping. 
you know, that, I mean, that's just crazy, but that's just a little bit of what's going on with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I gave you these two organizations and I want to give them to you again, because like I said, it's really important for us to get educated. You know, um, we need to be in prayer. We need to do what we can to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. And these are two great organizations that will, um, that will help you learn more. Um, one is called, if you go to persecution.com, that is called Voice of Martyrs. It was founded by a pastor named Richard Wormbrand. He was a Romanian pastor. He was jailed for 14 years for his faith in a prison. And so uh, if you go to Voice of Martyrs, you can actually get, you can actually sign up for their free magazine. It's a monthly magazine and it gives you ways that you can pray. It tells you about things that, again, the mainstream media is not going to tell you um, about different countries that are going through persecution, that um, news, and again, ways that you can pray. There's also other things that you can do to get involved there. You can do, one thing that I saw was pretty interesting, and I might see if the boys want to do this, is they're called family med packs. And so it says you can help provide for the medical and hygienic needs of Christians driven from their homes by Islamic extremists. Tens of thousands of our ch Christian brothers and sisters have lost all their earthly possessions through persecution from groups like ISIS. Family med packs provide these families with daily essentials like bandages and toiletries. The packs are customized in the field to fulfill specific needs in different nations, including Iraq, Syria, Sudan, and Nigeria. So for each $7 donation, you will receive one pack to fill. You may fill a pack on your own or order several packs and use it as a service project for your church or your families. So you fill the packs, you write your name on the front of the pack, so, so the recipient. Now, now think about that one. Okay, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are being asked to fill these med packs if you're interested. But you put your name on them so that the recipient can then pray for you. Those people over there, they're losing their lives. They aren't even sure if their children will be with them tomorrow because they're putting their life on the line. They're putting their children's life and livelihoods on the line for their faith in Christ is now willing to pray for us. That right there is a testimony. Um, so you write your name on the front of the pack. You mail the filled pack back to Voice of Martyrs paying the shipping cost. And then Voice of Martyrs ships the pack to the field where it's given to a Christian family. So you can put, um, you can fill it with uh, band-aids, you know, just different toiletries. Or you can actually go on to Voice of Martyrs and you can... Um, you can have them fill the kit and you just donate the money. But that's one way if you are a small church or a big church even and you would like to do that. Just to show solidarity and showing encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ and meeting those physical needs right there. Um, another thing that you can do um, or another thing that is available on this uh, Voice of Martyrs is called prison, prison I'm sorry prisoner alert 
And what it is, is uh, you go to Voice of Martyrs, and it will take you to the website called PrisonerAlert.com. And what it is, it has different people that are arrested. So right now I'm looking at, again, I'm going to butcher the name, Musi Iyab. He was arrested in November of 2011 in Eritrea. But he became a Christian in 2008. And in 2011, while living in Saudi Arabia, he visited a local mosque in Jeddah to meet and talk with attendees about Christianity. And on February 12th, he was arrested for preaching to Muslims and imprisoned in Saudi Arabia. And so he's there and you can actually write a letter. So you can actually write a letter to him. It shows you how to do that. Um, and it tells you about each prisoner. And you can also email the government officials asking for him to be released to protest against what's going on. Um, and so... It goes through. You can do. You can do all. You can do all that. It shows you how you can be an advocate for that. A really good website. These are just things that you can do besides just prayer. Not prayer is the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that prayer is not important, but sometimes we need to put feet on our prayers. The really cool thing about Voice of Martyrs is one of the things that you can do is you can actually ask for a representative to come to your church. And talk more about the persecuted church. I would recommend doing that. Um, I'm sure they could probably fill you in much more than what I am just by going to the going to the website. They could tell you much more about the persecuted church and ways that you can help. And then there are also uh, Voice of Martyrs conferences, and there might be one in one in your area. It shows the updating updated conferences upcoming conferences. I'm sorry. Okay, so while you're at the Voice of Martyrs, not only do you does it show you ways that you can help, you can also go and get your free copy of Richard Wormbrand's book Torture for Christ. It tells him tells you about how he was in jail for four, in prison for 14 years of torture and suffering for Christ in a communist prison and the just the courage that he had and his faith and uh, you can actually go there online and request it and they will send you a free copy. That's a great book. Um, the other website organization that I wanted to tell you about, which I've said it before and I'll continue to say it because we need to be educated about this, is Open Doors USA and you can find that at opendoorsusa.org. It's an organization founded by Brother Andrew. And I've said it and said it time again that if you have never read his book, God's Smuggler, it is amazing. It is at my top five of my favorite books. I love that book. It's a great book, and I would recommend anyone to read that book. Um, but if you go to Open Doors USA, you can actually download something called the 2020 World Watch List. And what it is, it is a they do it every year, but it's a list on the persecuted churches throughout the world. They update it with statistics and everything. Um, and they tell you a little bit about each country. They actually have it, they have it broken down pretty, pretty well, pretty simple for you. Um, depending on if, if the country is violent against Christianity or whether it's just, you know, how much it's pressuring you, pressuring people to turn away from Christianity in different areas of their life, you know, whether it's private life, community life, family life, national church life, 
and how and putting those together between the pressure and the violence and their rank number would be their score but I when I was reading this and you can go and download it and you can see it for yourself <clears throat> just to go over a few statistics that again are mind-boggling to me is the this one 2,983 Christians were killed for faith-related re reasons. So on average, that's eight Christians killed every day for their faith. So now you take, just for example, 10 of your closest family members and friends, and eight of them will be killed tomorrow for their faith. Eight. That's just this year, or this last year. 9,488 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. They were burned down. They were destroyed. Why? Because it was a Christian church. Because they wanted to serve Jesus. Again, mind-boggling to me. 3,711 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. It wasn't like they got pulled over by the cops and said, let me see your ID. Did you know that you were speeding? Uh, okay, we see that you have a worn out. Now you're going to go to trial. It was, we heard that you were preaching for Christianity and they take you to jail. There is no trial. There is no calling a lawyer on the phone. There's no set bell. There's just you getting thrown into prison. Without trial, you're sentenced. So you go to prison, you're sentenced right there. What? You were preaching preaching Christianity? We're going to sentence you to five years in prison. With no trial. All because of your faith in Christ. That's, that's crazy. I mean, like I said, what a testament though with these brothers and sisters in Christ that we, we need to be praying for them. 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 26 says, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Right now, our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering. We need to suffer with them in prayer. We need to shed tears. We need to cry out to God that God would help them. So also on the World Watch List, it tells you, it ranks all the countries. There's 50, I think it's at 50 countries uh, that, that Christians, our brothers and sisters, are getting persecuted in and tells you a little about little bit about each country. Country number one should be no, to no surprise to anyone, but it's North Korea. North Korea is a communist and post-communist oppression. They have over 25 million people in their country, and yet only 300,000 are reported to be Christians. Their main religion is atheism. And it also gives you prayer points. So not only does it tell you about the stress and the threats that are going on, it tells you how you can pray. Praying for endurance and courage for Christians who are suffering right now in labor camps across North Korea. Um, pray that continued diplomatic efforts will result in religious freedom for the underground church in North Korea. Pray that God will reach, will reach Kim Jong-un and the top leaders in North Korea with the power of the gospel. And so it gives you it gives you a little information on each country and how you can pray for each country. And I can't even pronounce all these countries, but I will tell you um, the top ten. The top ten for extreme persecution. This means extreme violence, extreme pressure. Number one is North Korea. 
Number two is Afghanistan. Number three is Somalia. Four, Libya. Five, Pakistan. Six, Eritrea. Seven, Sudan. Eight, Yemen. Nine, Iran. And ten, India. We just talked about India and the Hindu extremists that came and beat the children during during uh, during worship time. But I would I would recommend that you download that um, and read it for yourself. Read how you can pray for those in Libya. Also, when you sign up for your World World Watch 2020, there's four ways that you can take action. Which these are new to me, and I have not downloaded it yet. But one is that you can download an app called the Pray for the Persecuted Prayer app. You can download it from, from the Apple or Android store. And you can receive notif- notifications about prayer requests coming in from the persecuted Christians around the world. Number two is you could write a letter to a specific believer or Christian community who is currently in need of encouragement. They're always in need of encouragement. We are to lift our brothers and sisters in Christ up when it's needed. And right now... With those brothers and sisters in Christ and being persecuted, they need to be lifted up. Number three is you can sign up to regularly share stories on your social media to help raise awareness about persecuted Christians and their struggles. Again, that's something that we all can do if you have social media. If you have Facebook, you can sign up to do that because it needs to be told. These stories need to be told. We do not need to be complacent with our Christianity anymore. It's time for us as as the bride of Christ to stand up boldly and proclaim Christ. And number four, become a frontline partner by signing up to give a monthly gift of any size. Those are two organizations that will tell you, will educate you more on the persecuted church and something that we need. Um, I'm going to be talking about persecuted church at least once a month, if not more. And tell you about the stories because we as Christians need to know how we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to know what's going on over there in those countries that the news media won't tell us. Again, I don't want to end the program without telling you more about Christ. That's what the podcast is all about. You know, maybe you listen today and you didn't really understand about your first love because you've never met your first love. You've never met Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you how you can because it's really easy. It's not... You don't have to jump through thousands of hoops to do it. It's very, very, very easy. You know, the Lord wants a relationship with you. He wants to be number one in your life. The Bible says that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all deserved a place in hell. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What we earned for our sins was death and eternal separation from God. But did you hear the last part? But the gift of God? God gave us a beautiful gift, a free gift, when he gave his son to die for all of us in Jesus Christ. He willingly gave up his life. Because he loved us and didn't want to leave, didn't want to live without us. He has a place in heaven for us. If only we believe and accept him as our personal savior. Romans 10.9 says, 
that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, I'm not going to sit. I told, I told you this last week. I'm not going to have you repeat a prayer after me because it has to be a heart conviction. It can't just be say these few words and you'll be saved. That's not how it works. It has to be that still small voice talking to you. That that little flame that's in you. That you want to know more about Christ. That you want him into your life. The Bible says that we are to admit that we're sinners. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And confess our sins. If you haven't done that, I pray that you can go somewhere quiet. And have that talk with God and ask him to be the Lord of your life. If you have questions, you need prayer, you need to talk to someone, you can feel free to call us here at Unashamed. My phone number is 937-620-4942. Or you can send us a message on Facebook. And we hope you have a wonderful, great week. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening this week to our podcast, Unashamed. We hope you enjoyed it. The song Unashamed is by Brian Free and Assurance from their album Unashamed. You can find more information about Brian Free and Assurance, a wonderful Southern Gospel group, at their website, brianfreeandassurance.com. See you next week, y'all.